the cloud. Okay, we want to mention the art site of David uh, Yehuda's mother, right? Yes. Um, Rachel, Rachel, no. Rachel Leia. Rachel Bas. Bas um, Lewis. Bas Lewis. And Shomash should have an Aliyah. So we're continuing with our review of the laws for Pesach. I wanted to focus primarily on the things which are unique for this year, um, with the Kvyas of Erev Pesach falling on Shabbos. Um, it's a Kvyas, it's a setup that doesn't happen all that often. It comes together with Purim, Purim falling on Friday. If I got this correct, the last time this happened was in 2008. And the next time it's going to happen is in 2025. It's in four years from now. And then after that, it's not going to happen again for 20 years till 2045. So and we all live to see we, we long, happy and healthy years. <laughs> um, and uh, OK, so first of all, in chronological order, there is a fast of the firstborns on the first on Erev Pesach on the 14th of Nisan. This includes firstborns, whether you're firstborn just for your father or just for your mother, or even if there was um, uh, a nephew, if there was a, a non-viable pregnancy, a stillborn or something before you, whereas for other laws, you would not be considered a firstborn, such as for inheritance, but for this, you'd still be considered a firstborn. Um, so that is pushed back to Thursday which is the 12th of Nisan. Now, the truth is you could say, well, let's push it back to Friday. What's wrong with Friday? Now, so it's, it's interesting. It says that we don't look at chila. We don't, you know how you say at chila in English? A priori. A priori. That's the word we were talking about last week, right? Okay, so we don't look at chila, um, say, uh, set up a fast on a Friday. And one, the main reason, or one reason given, is because on a fast day you're preoccupied with davening, it's longer davening, and you say slichas, and so you'll be less available to prepare for Shabbos. Another reason given is that it's not respectful to the Shabbos to come into Shabbos in a state of uh, starvation. So, so that's why we don't initially set up a fast to be on Friday. Now, the truth is that when Pesach falls, not like it does this year, when Pesach falls on Sunday, and Erev Pesach falls on Shabbos, but when Pesach falls on Shabbos, and Erev Pesach is on Friday, we do have the fast of the firstborns on Friday. We don't push it back to Thursday. But it seems that what happens is, because we have this year, we have to push it back anyway. So instead of, we, so, we, so we're not so against having the fast on Friday, but if we're pushing it back anyway, we may as well push it back to Thursday. Now, in fact, uh, it's customary nowadays, even though it's interesting that in the Alter Rebbe, Shulchan Aruch, Alter Rebbe is much more leaning to be strict about this and to say that we should actually fast or if possible. But nevertheless, the custom, the widespread custom is to be lenient and that instead of fasting, we participate in a Sudas Mitzvah. Most commonly, it's going to be a uh, a meal or saying in the Chaim, celebrating the conclusion of a Masechta, and then you partake in that, and then, because that's a mitzvah to partake in, and then, you know, then you've already finished the fast, so you no longer have to continue fasting. Um, it doesn't have to be a Masechta. If you happen to have a bris, I actually once had the opportunity to be at a Pidyan Haben, the redeeming of a firstborn on Erev Pesach, so that's just as good. Now, Logically, it would make sense to say that if you participate in a seum on the thirteenth of on on the Thursday, so then so then um, so then you should have to fast on Friday because we pushed it back to Thursday, but. If you didn't keep that because you had got this sidetracked by uh, attending a seum, then you should have to fast on Friday. How, and and so indeed there are poskim who say that we should uh, that you should make another seum on Friday. However, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. However, the, the the Chabad custom is not like that. It's actually a sicha. The, the Rebbe discusses this, which is in part of the schedule for the project of Kutis Sichas, 
the schedule is to learn it actually on Pesach. I'm considering possibly doing one of the Sikha classes on that Sikha coming up either this week or next week. Um, but, uh, but, but in practice, we don't do that. We say the fast has moved from Shabbos to Thursday for all intents and purposes. And then once you've attended the Siyam on Thursday, you no longer need to be concerned. No. Then the next thing is Bidikas Chametz. So Bidikas Chametz this year is pushed back to Thursday night. So we've already said that you could start doing Bidikas Chametz with a with a flashlight or with light from the window, open window, closed window, the different opinions in the days preceding. But the mitzvah of Bidikas Chametz, which is when you say it with a bracha, is to be done on Thursday night. So. Basically, the, the procedure for B'dikas Chometz uh, this year is no different than any other year, except for the fact that it's 24 hours earlier. So, just a couple of reviews about those halachas. So, the mitzvah to do it is, we mentioned last week, immediately after the nightfall, which if I recall correctly, in Chicago is around 7.45, give or take a few minutes. So, However, if you're going to be davening Mariv with a minion, we have a special dispensation that you're allowed to daven Mariv with a minion first, but then immediately after Mariv, um, go home right, right away and don't do anything else first. If you can't be home at that time because your work does not allow you to be home at that time, then um, best to make a shliach, somebody else in your family, to do B'dikus Chabetz for you. Ideally, it should be a male, a man, over the age of Bar Mitzvah, but if that's not possible, it may be your wife, as well. The truth is, it doesn't have to be someone in your family. If you have a neighbor who could do it for you, um, that's fine too. Now, there is a minhag to put out pieces of bread. Al Pikabala, we put out 10 pieces of bread. The custom is that, to, that each one of those pieces should be small, but that together combined, the 10 together should be the size of a kazais. Nowadays, you don't even have to mutch yourself anymore. You could just go to the local to Jewel or Kultov or Hungarian and buy prepackaged, you know, little challah things in, a, in, in, in pre-sealed plastics. So it saves you the hassle of dealing with the crumbs if you would like. Um, if you do make them yourself, do not wrap it in silver foil. Wrap it in paper or in, in plastic. But if you wrap it in silver foil, then when you burn it, it's not really going to burn very well. Um, so don't wrap them in silver foil. Now, um, it's also recommended that they, you can do it yourself. It doesn't have to be um, someone else. You could put out the 10 pieces of bread. But it, it seems to have become the custom, not quite sure why, but it seems to become the custom that your wife or your kids put it out and then you, you don't know where they are and you have to find them. So it's recommended that the, they keep a list of where all the 10 pieces are because if you can't find the one, then it gets complicated. However, it's very important to note that when you do B'dikus Chometz, you're not looking for the 10 pieces of bread. You're looking for any Chometz. And as I saw in one of the Swarim, he says, Pashat, it's, it's obvious that if your B'dikus Chometz is just to look for the 10 pieces, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah and your bracha is a bracha in vain. People think it's a common mistake that people make, that you're looking for the 10 pieces. You're not looking for the 10 pieces. The entire area that you're checking, you need this in all areas, again, depending on how much you've done the nights before or not. But these are areas where Chometz has been year-round. And even though you may have Pesach cleaned them, you haven't done what halachically ca- classifies as checking that there's no chametz there. And therefore, you have to check that there's no chametz in all those places. Um, okay. Now, the, so so the time for B'dikus chametz, like we said, is after nightfall. But already from half an hour before sunsets, so approximately enough the times in front of me right now, but approximately an hour before that, it's forbidden to do any activities which may cause you to become sidetracked. So you're not allowed to um, study Torah or in, engage in study, uh, look up to the halacha, but not to get involved in a, go to a class or something like that. You're not allowed to eat a meal, um, a snack, to, to have a little bite, that's okay. But no, no meals, no taking a nap. Uh, that's that's certainly something which uh, could lead you to fall asleep for longer. That's from half an hour before sunset. Once the time for the bedika actually comes, which is at nightfall, then you're not allowed to eat anything, not allowed to drink anything, not allowed to do anything besides immediately to do bedikas chametz. 
The Chabad custom is that if there are other members of the household around, it's not customary for the wife to do this, but if you have um, sons over the age of our mitzvah, so it's customary that they stand uh, next to you uh, when they when you make the bracha of Vidika's comments, and then they have their own candle and their own set. So the yoyts of the bracha from you, so the father will say the bracha loud and for, discharge the obligation of um, let's say his own bar mitzvah year old son, and then what does the son do? So first he does a little bit of Dika's comments right there in that room because you don't want to have any interruption between the recitation of the bracha and the in beginning to do the mitzvah. So you do a little bit in that room, and then he goes to his own. You know, so before you start, you set up. Okay, I'll do upstairs. You do downstairs. Whatever, something like that. And this way, you have both the virtue of doing the mitzvah yourself, mitzvah bayosim mebishluchai. And also the virtue of sharing the schus with other members of your family. If you have uh, um, um, children or guests for Pesach who have their own household, who are married, and they're coming, so then they may wish to do their entire bedikah themselves. So they'll do their own 10 pieces in their own room and give you a dollar to rent the room from you and do it that way. That's of course, and then they could say their own bracha. That's fine as well. Any comments that you find, the 10 pieces and anything else, you're going to put aside in a safe place out of reach of any kids to um, to burn the next day. Now, it does say that if somebody is fasting, let's say, usually Medikas Hamet is the night before the fast of the firstborn. But if somebody is, this year it's after, so if the firstborn is fasting and he's, um, then there's an allowance for him to have a drink of water or something small to break his fast before doing the bedikah. Now, it's not common nowadays that people actually fast, but if there is a, a dire circumstance that, you, you know, you're coming, you're rushing home and you have a headache and this and that, and you want to be able to do, do bedikah with the proper focus, so then in such circumstances, we, you could allow to have at least a taste of a bite of something, uh, not a meal, but a, a, small, a small bite and drink to give yourself the energy to do bedikah's comments. That's fine. Then we come to Friday. So Friday is this interesting day because in many ways, practically, it's like Erev Pesach, but it, because it's the last weekday before Pesach, but it's not actually Erev Pesach. So for example, whereas in a regular year, on Erev Pesach, all haircutting and laundry and cutting nails must be done before midday. This year, there's no restrictions. You can have haircuts and laundry and the entire day on Friday. It's not Erev you could do that even after in the afternoon. The reason, yes, that makes sense. You don't have to, but you could. There's no prohibition against doing any of those things on a regular Friday afternoon. The reason why there is a prohibition to do them on a regular Arab Pesach afternoon is, if I recall correctly, at least according to most opinions, related to the Karb Pesach. Because that's the time that we want the Karb Pesach, it's kind of a regular yamtif, and therefore, um, and therefore it's forbidden to do work. But again, this year it's not Erev Pesach, so you can continue to However, it says that you should destroy the Chabbats the same way that you do, at the same time that you do every year. Now, to clarify, biblically speaking, on a, the, the biblical mitzvah is to destroy the Chabbats before Chatzos, before midday on Erev Pesach which in halachic terminology, that's called the seventh hour, right? The noon, chatzois, is the end of the sixth hour, so it's going into the seventh hour. However, the rabbinic enactment is to, in case you might get the, the times wrong, we do it, we push it back an hour. So we, 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 we burn all the chametz by the beginning of the sixth hour, the end of, by, really by the end of the fifth hour. That's on a regular year. And then we stop eating chametz even another hour before that. So this year there are a number of different opinions, and I'm not going to get now into all the different diyukim uh, and proofs this way and that way, whether or not you should this year. So this year you don't, you don't, technically speaking, you could burn your chametz on Friday afternoon, but we don't want you to do that because we we're concerned that if you burn your chametz on Friday afternoon, the next year you'll burn your chametz on Erev Pesach in the afternoon, and that's a no-no. So you do it in the morning. Does it have to be done before the sixth hour or can it be done this year anytime before Chatzos? So that depends which rabbi you ask and every rabbi is going to have their own uh, 
proof backing up that it must be done before Chatzos, before the seventh hour, before the sixth hour. Practically speaking, it's not really that big of a deal. Just burn it. You know, here actually, I think we're going to have the fire straight after Shachar, so that's very early in the morning. But if you're doing it in your backyard or whatever, do it before. Again, I forget exactly the time. I think it's approximately 11.45 or 11.55. Um, just do it before that and be safe according to all opinions, and, and that's the best. Now, the next big question is selling the chametz. Now, again, in theory, you could sell the chametz a minute before Shabbos. Now, I'm not telling what you, you should do. You should sell your chametz today, go to the rabbi, make the kinyan, and appoint him as your agent to sell the chametz. But when does the rabbi actually sell the chametz to the guy? So basically, there are three different practices amongst Rabbanim what to do in such a Kriyas uh, when it's, when it's the, 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 these days of the week. One is that you, just like you burn the chametz at the regular time, you sell the chametz regular time. So you're going to sell the chametz within that practice itself. You could split it into two. Those who will sell the chametz the actual regular time before the sixth hour on Friday, before 11.45 approximately in Chicago. And those who will say the same as every year, but without that hour extra, so before Chatzos. Then you have those who do it um, immediately before Shabbos. And then you have a third way, which is that they sell the chametz anytime on Friday, either the regular time or on the Friday afternoon, but they add a stipulation into the document that the sale should take effect only on Shabbos at the time. You know, So we're doing the transaction now in a way that it should take effect tomorrow, which, as you can imagine, is a very complicated halachic discussion whether or not it's permissible to do that, because usually we don't do transactions on Shabbos. What does this count as? Anyway. Practically, practically, first, so two things. First of all, here in Chicago, anybody in this room or on this Zoom probably um, is selling their chametz through Rabbi Hertz. That means either you go into Rabbi Hertz or if you go into Rabbi Epstein, Rabbi Epstein also doesn't actually sell the chametz to a guy, he joins with Rabbi Hertz's sale. Rabbi Hertz is planning, as far as I can understand from him, if I, got, if I understood him correctly, he's planning to sell it on Friday afternoon before Shabbos, which means that in um, that that you could that you burn so you're going to burn the chametz on Friday morning. You obviously, as we'll discuss soon, going to keep chametz to have for the Shabbos meals like Mishnah. But if you want to keep more chametz, if you want to have a bottle of beer on Friday afternoon or whatever it is, you could continue sort of quote being busy with your chametz until closer to Shabbos when the when the sale actually takes effect. Once the sale takes effect, now the chametz belongs to the guy; it's not yours to touch anymore. Practically speaking, I don't know if it's so recommended. We, um, I'll just say that what I personally plan to do is after the time of the chametz of thing, burn the chametz, and that's it. I'm done with the chametz, with the exception of obviously I'm going to leave out um, the what I need for the Mishnah for the two meals of Shabbos. But besides for that, put everything away, and that's included in the sale, and I'm done with it. And also, it's important if you have kids. If you don't have kids, it's irrelevant. Anything that's not chametz, but for whatever reason it's your custom not to eat it on Pesach, um, whether it's gebrocks or kidneys or manufactured products, whatever your personal standards and customs are, there's no reason not to have them in your house and not to eat them um, for those 24 hours from 11.45 on Friday to 11.45 on Shabbos. So buy bamba, buy you know, whatever they have in the store thing, if you need for yourself, for your kids, there's plenty of snacks and things that you could have that are, um, of course, anything that you're going to be cooking, if you're going to be using your Pesach utensils, don't cook any Pesach utensils, anything that you don't use on Pesach. If you're careful not about, about not eating peel on Pesach, then don't cook something with peels and, you know, in your Pesach utensils. But anything that you could buy from the store, that's fine. So, could I know, you know, nowadays we're, 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 you could get so much, there's so much variety. There's really no need to patch go around with chametz, other than what you actually need for the shamus meals. Yeah. You don't need. I, I don't know. I don't. Some rabbis. Well, you. Some rabbis will add such a clause into the star. Some don't. But it doesn't matter. It's. It's sort of you. You. You obviously are not intending to sell the chametz which you're leaving out to use. You're only selling the chametz which you're putting aside. In those places which you're selling the chametz. Um, now, 
Okay, let's move on to, to what you actually need for the Chomets for Shabbos. So there are at least three or four different ways of how to do the Shabbos meals. And I'll just share with you the basic options and what I personally plan to do and think is the most um, convenient option. Especially if you have kids and Pesach is very OCD invoking, you don't want to be dealing with Chomets. Oh, well, I'm sorry, one more important thing is, obviously... If you, for whatever reason, buy chametz after the sale is done, then that's not included in the sale. So if something gets into you and you decide on Friday just before Shabbos, oh, I really want a beer, and you go and buy a beer, technically that's fine, but that's not included in the sale. And so you must make sure to be finished with that beer completely before the time on, on Shabbos. Um, now... For the Shabbos meals, so you have to have Lecha Mishnah. That's two loaves of bread. You also have to eat. There's different opinions. We've discussed this in the past, but the best way to do it is to have more than a kebe, more than an egg size of bread for each meal on Shabbos, Friday night and Shabbos day. Now, in theory, on the Friday night meal, you could do your Lecha Mishnah with matzah. But the Chabad, the custom is not to, the Chabad custom is ready from Purim not to eat any matzah. Um, um, a Shabbos day you, you you're not allowed to have matzah. There's a lot, you're not allowed to eat any matzah on Erev Pesach. In theory, you could also use egg matzah, but again, practically speaking, to eat the right amounts and it's it's not it's not the what the recommended route. So the recommended route is to use loaves of bread that don't make crumbs, and the best option is pita. Pita breads, I mean, they make some crumbs, but not like a regular challah. And each pita, before you before you cut it open, a complete pita, even though it has a hollow pocket in the middle, that doesn't matter. It's still, that's considered a whole loaf, so you take two pita breads. Now, I don't know exactly how much a pita bread weighs and how much is a kebab, but if you eat one whole pita bread, you're for sure good. You could wash, sail it to the sadaim, fulfill your shamus meal with that, and bench. So there's a few different options how to do it. One option is, that um, either way, whichever option you're going to take, it's recommended that for the meals of this Shabbos, even though you're using your, your, your soup or whatever you're going to be eating, is going to be cooked in Pesach utensils, but that your actual meal should be eaten with paperwork, with disposables. And the main reason for that is because you're going to have hummus in your mouth. You don't want to start sticking your Pesach forks and spoons into your mouth because with the crumbs, it's not a good idea. And you should not, um, if you are if you are going to use any chametz utensils, then don't pour from the Pesach utensils into the chametz utensils. Pour from the Pesach utensils into a disposable pan and from there into your chametz utensils. But again, we live in a generation where to get disposables is so easy and cheap. And just use disposables. That's the best idea. That's for the actual meal. Um, so, so that's when you're going to have your, your all, all the things. So there's a few ways to do it. One is you could set up your regular dining room table, make kiddush with a becher that's the chametz thicker becher, not your Pesach becher. Then wash. Everybody has their pizza bread over a napkin. Then you finish with that. Take the napkin, flush it down the toilet, and then continue your meal again with your paperwork bench thing now you can't do that that's perfectly legitimate you might you might even say that's the best way to do it then the, the downside of that method is that having crumbs in your dining room that you're going to be using for pesach even though you could clean up and it's fine it's uh it's it's, it's many people are uncomfortable with that now an important thing to point out, if you do do that option, or if you do a thing, is that on Shabbos day, I don't recall exactly what the time for the end of eating chametz is, but let's just pull out of the hat 10.30. It's probably a little bit later than that. All right, so we're going to daven very early on Shabbos to make sure we could finish. Davening is going to be 7.30 on Shabbos to make sure we could finish and you could have your finish your chametz by that time. Um, so if you during a meal, any meal, Shams meal, you don't make brachas on all the foods that you're eating during the meal because those foods are considered to be subsidiary to 
um, the bread. The bread is the mainstay of the meal, and then all the other things. Once that time has passed, now nothing can be secondary to the bread. It's past the time for chametz. So then you would have to start making separate brachas on any other food that you would have in the meal, which gets complicated, in which case you just say once, if, if let's say, again, we're using 10.30 just as an example, you start, you make Kiddush at 10 o'clock, and then you have your challah, and then you're eating your challah or your whatever you're eating, and then the time for 10.30 comes, just bench, finish your meal, and then you're still hungry, you can make another bracha and continue eating as you would just any snack. Okay, so that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to have another place where you're going to do the chametz part of the meal. And so it could be in the kitchen, table, like somewhere which is going to be blocked off for Pesach or in your back porch, outdoors or somewhere. Make Kiddush over there, wash, have your, have your bread over there, and then go inside to your Pesach table and have the rest of your meal then, again, with the paperwork and everything. The challenge then becomes is that like we just said, everything is secondary to the bread. But how could you, you know, I'm having my bread over there, and my, 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 the rest of my meal over there. And you get into all these questions about whether or not you need to make your own bracha. And so, in so many of the guides that you'll see this year, you'll see them saying that if you do that option, um, at least one person should have more bread again by the table sporadically throughout the meal or the end of the meal. Again, different guides have different approaches. Um, the reason why they're saying that is because they're, they, they want, what they want you to do is to have all the food that you have as part of your Shabbos meal should be within the meal. Because it shouldn't just be, I'm having chicken. Chicken should be a part of the meal, which certainly is a virtue. But personally, what I think, and I, I did check this with another of, and he agreed with me, that you can be lenient and not have all those foods as part of the meal. And that makes it a lot simpler. So what you would do, this is what I intend to do, Wherever, pick your spot where you're going to do the chametz. In my case, it'll probably be on my back deck or something like that. Make Kiddush, wash, have your pita bread, and bench. And then you're done. Again, over the napkin, if you're in your backyard or anything, any crumbs that do happen to fall on the floor, you don't need to worry about because it, it's, 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 it's trampled and it's dirty and it's, and it's only crumbs. Obviously, if it's a big amount, that's not okay. But if it's just crumbs and they're dirty, it's fine. But basically, wrap up your napkin, flush it down the toilet, and bench, and that's it. You're done. And then you go to the table, and you have all the rest of your food as you, as you would. And of course, being careful to say all the correct brachas. And usually, you have your chicken soup and your chicken and your or whatever you have. You don't necessarily say you don't say a bracha. No, you have to make sure it's just like you're eating a meal thing. It's not the best. You lose out the virtue of having all of those things within the meal. But it's a perfectly uh, acceptable solution. Um, for this year. A few things to be careful of. Um, a few things to be careful of. So the becher you're using is going to be your chametz to becher. When you're finished, you have the end of the wine in there. So on Friday night, you could wash it out, not in your Pesach sink, of course, but in the bathroom, or if you have a chametz sink that's still not locked up, you could wash it. But on Shabbos day, you can't wash it because that would be preparing for after Pesach, you're not allowed to wash dishes on Shabbos that you don't need on Shabbos. So, but uh, you might not want to put away the becher with the sticky wine at the bottom, and then it's going to be very hard to get out. So the workaround that I thought of is that you could, use, after you finish making Kiddush, you could use that same becher to have a drink of water from. And then you put it away in your chametz sticker cabinet, and after Pesach, you could wash it with soap if you want to, but it's not going to be all sticky and all, you know, whatever. So that's another, another thing. Now, another thing is the candles. The, ca the Shabbos candles are supposed to be in the place that you eat. So some people have actually are careful to put it on the table. Some people put it in the same room to the side. But they're supposed to be in the place that you eat. So on Yom Tov, you're going to eat the, the Seder nights, you're going to eat in your, in your Yom Tov dining room. But if you're making Kiddush and doing, you know, like these things, so where do you do your candles? So technically, it's good. You could just put your candles by the dining room, and even though you're not going to make kiddush there, but you're going to be eating other foods there. That's fine. Or perhaps even better is, is to put the candles in a place where you could see them from where you make kiddush, because it's customary to look at the candles when you make kiddush. You just have to be bear in mind that afterwards the candles are muktzah. So, for example, um, if you if you if you're going, to, you're going to use tea lights, let's say you leave your candlesticks for the dining room, you use that for the Saturday night, and for, uh, for Friday night, you'll put tea lights in the kitchen or somewhere where you could see them from where you're going to make Kiddush. 
the burnt out tea lights are muksa. So if you want to get rid of them, you can do kalachayad, you pick it up like this and you brush it into the garbage. That's fine. But you can't just pick them up and put them in the garbage. Um, that would be muksa. Um So that's the, basically the, the seder for, for Shabbos day and anything that's left over for Friday night, Shabbos day, anything that's left over, you flush down the toilet and that's it. Oh, so putting things in the garbage. So if it's just, yeah, no. So if it's just crumbs, if it's a little kazai, if it's kazai, to put it in the garbage on Shabbos, not sure because, yeah, technically you probably could. Again, talking, I want to clarify, talking if you live here in this neighborhood, not at Winston Towers. I'm actually going to, there is someone on, on the line from Winston Towers and there's another person online from Evanston and another person online from somewhere in another city. So different, every place is different. Here in this side of the neighborhood, we have a very easy thing with the garbage pails because it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the city and it's not in our domain, it's in the alley. So technically you could put hummets in there. If you live in a place where the garbage is in your property, which includes Winston Towers, because they have a thing, I would recommend that not just on Shabbos, already from a few, I don't know how often they take away the garbage on Winston Towers, but any garbage, any chametz that's, any piece of chametz, not talking about crumbs, any piece of chametz that's in your garbage, if let's say you put it into the garbage on Thursday and it's still there on Shabbos, that's a problem because it's in your property. It's in your domain, right? You are the common areas of Winston Towers. You're, if you live in Winston Towers, you pay your assessments. That's the thing. So the, in that case, the best thing to do is that for a few days before Pesach, any chametz that you're putting in the garbage, pour some bleach on it. Pour, pour bleach to make sure it's completely disqualified from human consumption and if possible, even from, uh, from animal consumption. And that way you don't need to be concerned about it. However, I should point out that if you don't use the Erev, we've discussed this before, if you don't use the Erev, not only can you not take out garbage on Shabbos, you really can't take out yom, garbage on Yom Tif either, because on Yom Tif you're only allowed to carry something that I need on Yom Tif. I'm going out, I need my key, so I can carry my key. But when you're carrying garbage, you don't need your garbage in the alley. You don't want it in your house, but you don't need your garbage in the alley. So it's problematic some poskim allowed to do it if it's garbage that's smelly. So um, if you have a garbage bag full of apple peels, I think some poskim do allow you to take it out into the alley, but certainly not like things which are dry, which wouldn't smell, you know, like empty bottles of, of grape juice and empty matzo, cardboard boxes, anything like that. Certainly you can't take out the yomtif. So what I personally do is when we have a yomtif, and certainly now is that I'll bring one of the garbage pails into my backyard. So this way I can take out in a regular Shabbos, so your piles too, you know, you, you, maximum you have an extra bag of garbage, but with a three-day yomtiv, there's lots of garbage. So I'm going to bring a pail. So what I'm going to do is on the Monday, next Monday, they're going to come and take my garbage. I'm going to make sure that all of my garbage all goes into one of the pails, and that pail I'm going to leave out in the alley. And just before Shabbos, I'll bring in the other pail into my backyard. And any garbage over Shabbos in the first day's yomtiv, I'm going to put into that pail. But two things. First of all, obviously, I have to be careful not to put in any chametz. And B, I'm going to lose out the pickup because the second day Yomtev is Monday and I'm going to lose out on that pickup and I'll just have to, I'll have to deal with that. But uh, um, you know, in this neighborhood, they pick up on Monday. Um, but okay, so that's about the garbage. Now, um, okay, cleaning out your mouth. Um, so first of all, I actually saw here that uh, he brings, I think, from the Rebbe Hashab, that you should really finish eating your chametz, you know, whatever the time is, finish eating half hour, 45 minutes before. Like this, you have time to process, you eat and drink other things, so anything that's stuck um, gets, uh, get, gets, gets, um, gets washed out. But let's talk about the process of cleaning out and you know, dealing with chametz stuck in your mouth. So first of all, we mentioned this last week, I want to review it again with some more details. Cushering your mouth. If you have anything in your mouth that's external, whether it's a piece of metal, abrasives, retainers, or even fillings, so there is a concern that you have to cushion them because it's it's external. Now, we could debate as to whether or not it's actually 100% necessary. I mean, we don't cusher our teeth mouth year-round between eating mochiks and fleshiks, but nevertheless, the custom is that we do cusher them for Pesach. As we know, Pesach, we do all the chumras. So how do you cash your teeth? So 
first of all, most of the guides of the Pesach guides that you're going to read will tell you that for 24 hours before you cash your teeth, don't have any hot chametz. So that's because you want to make sure that the taste of any chametz will be proper. Don't have any hot chametz. I mean, you can have something warm, not hot. That's yatsu. Let us play. That's properly hot. Now, the truth is that when it comes to kashering other things, kashering sinks, for example, we, we, we're, we're more machmer than that. We say, don't just not use it for chametz for 24 hours. Don't use it for anything hot for 24 hours. And some of the Pesach guys will say, if you want to do even more chumrah, so don't eat anything hot for 24 hours. Um, it's, that's uh, different opinions as to exactly how the Ben Yoyme thing works. Again, these are, I'm just going to share with you all the different things different Pesach guides say, and based on your circumstance, you'll choose which one to do. Whatever you do is valid. Okay, then to actually cash your mouth. If you have anything, retain whatever things that could come out of your mouth, then you cash them by pouring boiling hot water on them and uh, just to the maximum that it won't get ruined. But if it's just about fillings and whatever that don't, um, that don't, uh, you can't, don't come out. So you clean your mouth very thoroughly, your brush, your floss, and this year you're going to do all of this before Shabbos with your chametz, like a toothbrush. Um, and you're going to clean out your mouth very thoroughly, and then you drink hot water um, as hot as hot as you can as you can take without burning yourself. You drink hot water to, to extract any taste that might be in the thing, and use a disposable cup. Don't use a use a disposable cup for that. If you want to be really, really chumrah, I saw some people have a chumrah that for the if, if they have fillings for the entirety of Pesach, they don't eat anything that's boiling hot. They wait till everything's cooled off, so it's less than Yantu Lettuce Boy, which has different opinions, expanding from 140 degrees to... to well, I don't remember all the opinions of Yantu Lettuce Boy, but they basically don't eat anything boiling hot for the entirety of Pesach because you can't really cash your teeth with them properly. So, Bebele, some people, again, these are all chumras, you know, ask your local competent orthodox um, rabbi, mashpia, therapist, what's healthy for you. <laughs> um, okay, now that's all done before Shabbos. Now, then you have to also clean out your mouth from chametz and Shabbos. You have all this bread, you want to clean out your mouth before the time comes. So, you may not brush your teeth with toothpaste or water on Shabbos. However, you can, you, unless you have, they do make, actually, you could buy the kosher innovation to have a special rubbery type of toothbrush, which is permissible for Shabbos use. And then there's a question whether or not you could use toothpaste or you have to use mouthwash. I don't know. Personally, I just don't brush my teeth on Shabbos. I'm talking year-round. I just don't brush my teeth on Shabbos and that's it. But here you want to be able to clean out your mouth before thing. Now, how much is strictly actually necessary halakhically to clean out your mouth and how much it's your obligation to be concerned about that or not? Possibly it's not, but Lamais, the practice is as much as possible you clean out. So first of all, after you finish eating comments, you're going to be eating and drinking other foods, so anything that's stuck in between your gums gets sort of washed down that way. Besides for that, you may do any and all of the following things, provided that it's not psychration that it's going to cause bleeding. Psychration means definite. So if you're a person who never flosses your teeth, or doesn't do so with any regularity, then chances are that if you floss your teeth, it's going to cause it to bleed, and therefore don't do that. But if you floss your teeth regularly, unless you have uh, something unhealthy, but if you floss your teeth regularly, you're not, it's not going to cause any bleeding, and there's no reason not to floss your teeth in Erev Pesach. However, you do have to either use the pickers or use pre-cut pieces of floss. You can't actually cut the floss on Shabbos. You could brush your teeth with a dry toothbrush, no water and no toothpaste again gently so it doesn't cause any bleeding and also you could use toothpicks any of these activities try it out before shops look in the mirror do it and see does it cause you to bleed um, any of those things that don't cause you to bleed is perfectly permissible and um, i would say even advisable to do on shabbos after you finish eating before before the time if you want to also another thing you could do is so we're careful on shabbos the chabad custom is to be careful from erev pesach which means from shabbos morning not to eat any of the ingredients that are part of the seder plate, the mara, the charesis, and the and the mara and the charesis. So no lettuce, no apples, no pear, and no walnuts. So, so like an apple might be a good thing that gets stuck in between your teeth. So that would be a good thing to eat to sort of wash out anything else that's in between your teeth. But you could have other things that are not pesach foods, but I don't know, bamba or you know other foods that are very messy 
that get in between your teeth. And uh, and and that you know, Bamba's kidneys are not worried if it's kosher or pesach. I'm not worried about a piece of Bamba being stuck in between your teeth. Um, but uh, so that's another thing you could do. Um, what else? Okay, we already spoke about kosher cleaning your mouth, your teeth. Oh, okay. Now, moving on for the rest of Shabbos. So, but, but it's, it's an interesting Shabbos because by, by 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you finish your Shabbos meal, which for some people that's normal, but for, for, for us, that's, you know, we usually don't have our Shabbos meal so early. So it's a long day. You may not do anything to prepare for the Seder on Shabbos. So as much as possible. Now, so we have here this conflict. On the one hand, you're not allowed to do anything on Shabbos to prepare for the Seder. On the other hand, we do have a very strong value to start the Seder as early as possible. You daven Myriv at the time for Myriv, don't wait around, and you um, and then you come home right away and start the Seder right away. The main reason being because you want the children to be awake and participatory as much as possible for the Seder. Now, strongly advisable for all adults and children to have a nap on Shabbos, to have energy for the Seder, although many Apostles say that you should not explicitly say that you're doing this in order to have energy for the Seder, because that's uh, that's explicitly saying preparing for Shabbos. However, there's room to be lenient about that, because you're not, you know, if you say I'm going to sleep to, to be able to drive to, through the night, that's forbidden, because driving is something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos and Yom Tov. But if you're saying, I'm, st- I'm sleeping now, so I should have Koyach to stay up tonight. So staying up tonight is, is something that's permissible activity on Shabbos, staying up. So uh, the reason, for yourself, you know, you say, I'm going to have a nap, it's fine. But if you're working, dealing with kids and trying to get kids to, to, to you have to say, no, if you don't sleep, sleep now, you're not going to have Koyach to say, you know, if you need to do that with your kids, that's fine. But again, other than that, you need to make sure everything is done before Shabbos. So let me give you some 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 things some, some just some useful advice first of all prepare before shabbos everything as possible so you're going to ch- check your matzahs to make sure you know how you check there's no foldings in the ends of the matzahs kfunas do that before shabbos prepare even you, know, you need to have how many people you have the the, the shlemus whole matzahs prepare them before shabbos so you have already a box with all your shlemus you could just go one two three you don't need to start sifting through the matzahs on say the night the lettuce make sure it's checked and, and 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 dried properly before Shabbos and put it in the fridge. Again, you want to make sure it's dried because if it's any, besides the fact that the the lettuce that you use for chazaris has to be properly dry because you put it in the kairich sandwich and we're careful about the brocks. But in addition to that, if you put any lettuce with any moisture in the fridge for 24 hours, it's going to start getting brown. And, you know, so you want to make sure it's thoroughly dry, put it in. Make sure you grind your chrein before Shabbos. Make sure you prepare your salt water before Shabbos. Make sure you cook your eggs, your zroya, all of these things to do before Shabbos. Um, maybe I should go through quickly what happens if you didn't. If you didn't do it, so like this. So lettuce you could prepare on Shabbos, you could do on Yom Tif. Um, If you do find a bug, you can't just take off the bug or wash it off. You should really take off the bug, rip it off together with a piece of lettuce. Um, cooking the eggs you can do on Yom Tif. Of course, you can't cook more than what you need for, for that first day of Yom Tif. You can't cook on the, fir- on the first Saturday night, the first night of Yom Tif. You can't cook what you need for the second Seder. The Zroya, if you didn't co- roast the bone before Shabbos, so then it's a problem because we're careful not to eat. You can't cook it on Yom Tif because we're careful not to eat the meat of the, uh, of the Zroya. But you could cook it and eat some of the meat the next day. We're only careful not to eat that meat at the same night. You could cook it the next day. But another option is just instead of using, like our custom is to use the roasted chicken bone, if for whatever reason you didn't prepare a right before Shabbos, just put any piece of meat, any piece of cooked meat on the Seder plate that counts as the, as the Zoya. Um, what else is there? Salt water you can prepare on Shabbos, uh, sorry, on Yom Tif with a Shinoi. So first of all, you put in, you put in, usually you would put the... Usually you would put the water first and then the salt, I think. That's what they say. So you should put the salt first and then the water. And also you should only make a little bit amount of exactly what you need for the Seder, not anymore. Again, try and get into your schedule to do all these things before Shabbos. The chrein, what happens if you didn't grind the chrein before Shabbos? So the pastures, then you, you cannot grind it on Yom Tif. 
you just have to cut it with a knife into small pieces. I saw Rabbi Ashkenazi from Kfachabad, he wants to, he has a workaround and he says that you can grind it on Yom Tov with the Shinoi. So that means if you have a grinder and you grind a hand grinder, obviously not an electric one, and you grind it onto the tablecloth instead of onto a plate or you hold it upside down or something like that, you can do that on Yom Tov. I'm not sure, you know, it's debatable whether or not that works according to the Alter Rebbe. Again, do all of these things before Shams. Now, um, okay, um, eating on Shabbos, so you're allowed to continue eating even no more chametz. So you can't have you can't have chametz bread, you can't have matzah bread, but anything else you could continue eating until the tenth hour of the day. After the tenth hour of the day, what's the tenth hour of the day? Tenth hour of the day is a shor's manias. So people familiar with shor's manias? It basically means you take the the, the 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 daylight hours and divide it by twelve, and each one of those is one shor's manias. This time of the year, it's just a few minutes more than an hour. It's sixty-three minutes or so. Um, so, from approximately three hours before sunset is the tenth hour of the day. You don't eat anything uh, big or just in a small snack if you're hungry, in order to make sure that you're left with an appetite to eat your matzah and your seder um, with an appetite. So, practically speaking, that's approximately four p.m. on Shabbos. Give or take a few minutes. Um, so, after four p.m. on Shabbos, you really shouldn't uh, be eating too much. Now, preparations for the Seder. So the men are going to be in shul. The women are going to be at home. So Shabbos goes, so, so there's two times. There's nightfall, and then every Shabbos, there's nightfall. And then we add Toysa Shabbos. We add a few minutes to Toysa to, to Shabbos. So usually the time of the calendar adds about 10 or 15 minutes. So preparations for the Seder that are malacha, that involve things that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos, for example, lighting Yom Tif candles, that may not be done until after the time for Matzah Shabbos, which in Chicago is, I think, 7.53, right? But preparations that don't involve malacha, that the reason you're not allowed to do them on Shabbos is not because it's forbidden Shabbos activity, but only because it's, it's preparation for after Shabbos, those may be done from Tzais HaKechavim, which, so that gives you an extra 10-15 minutes. I wrote down here 7.40. So from 7.40 on Shabbos afternoon, the women can start setting the table for the Seder to get things in motion so that as soon as the men come home from Shul, they start the Seder right away. Provided that before they do so, they say, Baruch HaMavdul Ben Kodesh Le... No. Le Kodesh. Baruch HaMavdul Ben Kodesh means, that's what they say every Shabbos, which means making the division between the holy and the mundane. But here it's not holy and mundane, it's the division between holy and holy. So they say Baruch HaMavdul at 7.40, which is 13 minutes before the candle lighting time on the calendar, they could say Baruch HaMavdul and then spring into action and have an extra 10, 15 minutes or so to 13 minutes to, to, to get things set up for the Seder. Another thing, we do mention this every year, that the women have to also use those few minutes to say halal, even though they don't have to dive in Mayriv, but they do, those who have the custom as does Chabad, that you say halal on the Seder night, that, that, that so we say it in shul after Mayriv, but the women also have, sorry? Yeah, so we, we say halal three times on the first day of Pesach, once by Shachris in the morning davening, we say it during the Seder, but we also say halal and Mayriv before the Seder, so the women also have to say after the Seder is too late, because the, the main reason we say it before the, before the Seder is because you have to say halal, so we say it with the Seder, but by the Seder you can't say a bracha because we split it up into two different parts. So you say the whole thing with the bracha before the Seder. So in addition to all the preparing for Yom Tif, the women need to take a few minutes to say halal with a bracha, um, which again, that they could do from 740, they don't need to wait 753, and for that they don't even need to say baracha mabdal, they could just, the clock strike 740, they could say, they could say baracha to Hashem, say halal, and then get on with preparing for Yom Tif. Also, of course, this year we have quite a number of times, the record amount of times the Yakna has, that we have Shabbos going into Yom Tif, and we have that special procedure which we call Yakna has, which is a Kiddush Havdalah combo. So we're going to do that at the first Seder night this year. And uh, um, again, don't say Baruch HaMadum in Kiddush al You're going to have lots of questions about how to deal with that, and you're going to come running five blocks and knock on my door to ask me what to do. Just follow all the instructions carefully. Um, and uh, so you say Yaknahaz Baruch Hamadul Min Kodesh L'Kodesh, and we're going to do Yaknahaz again on the seventh night of Pesach, going into the last day. 
Um, right? That's again Shabbos into Yom Tif, So again, we're going to do Yakim over then. Um, there's also another difference which uh, in the Seder, uh, we, the, the bracha for the second cup, which is the end of the recitation of the Haggadah, we say that we should uh, be married to go to Yerushalayim and eat them in Azvachim and Amapsachim, to eat from the Zvachim, which means Karbanus sacrifices that were brought supplementary together with the Karm Pesach, and Amapsachim is the Karm Pesach. However, when when when, it, when when we're eating the Seder on Matzah Shabbos, so the, 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 if Erev Pesach falls on Shabbos, you can bring the Karm Pesach, because that's mandatory, but the other Karbanus, which are optional, we don't bring. And so when the Seder is on Saturday night, like the first one is this year, we switch around the Seder, and instead of saying, we switch around the order, instead of saying, Min Hazvachim, Min Hapsachim, we say, Min Hapsachim, Min Hazvachim. It's in your Haggadah, just pay attention to it. And um, just, you know, the, sh- the shaded area for Saturday night, you know, substitute this for that. Pay attention to that. Um, okay, any, um, yeah, there's still, we did a very, very brief overview last week about kashering the kitchen. What I hope to do next week is more reviewing laws I mean, Hagim of the actual Seder. So if anybody has specific questions that's relevant to cashing their kitchen. No, when we do Yakna House, there's different customs. The Chabad custom is that you, when you say the bracha on the candle, you just look at the candles that are, that are there. The, the Yom Tov candles are there. So you just look at them. You don't do your nails or anything like that. You just look at those candles when you say the bracha. No, there is. Yakna has. Yakna has stands for Yayin Kiddush Neir Havdalah's Man. So a regular Kiddush of Yom Tif is Yayin. That means you start off by saying the Bracha on Wine, Bari Priya Gafen. Then you say the Bracha of Kiddush, which is Asher Bacha Bonimikolam, until Makadish Israel Hazmanim, which talks about the Yom Tif in this case of Pesach. And then you say Shaykh Yanu. Zman. Zman. Zman and Zman has that, right? Zman and Shaykh Yanu. When it's Havdalah, we have to add in two brachas. One is Ner, we don't do the spices, but you do and the actual bracha of Havdalah. And the order is Yak na, Yak na Haz, Yayin, Kiddush, then Ner, which is then Havdalah, and then Shechayonu comes at the very end. An interesting thing, which I learned this year for the first time, something important to have in mind, and this is relevant both to men who are saying Shekha, oh, very important. Women, so the custom is usually on the Yom Tev, women are just going are usually going to hear Kiddush and fulfill the Kiddush from listening to the husband or whoever the man of the table is. On Pesach, because everybody has the four cups of wine, so everyone makes their own Kiddush. We've discussed this in the past. There's different customs about how to do that. If everybody is proficient in Hebrew, so then everyone should hold the cup and say say the whole Kiddush themselves. If some people are not fluent in Hebrew, so then they could be quiet and listen. Uh, so they hold the cup, but instead of reciting the Kiddush, they discharge their obligation by listening to whoever is saying the Kiddush. But in that case, you can't have everybody saying it loud in unison, because the halacha is that you can only hear one voice at a time. You can't hear two voices at a time. So if you have 10 people around the table and nine of them are saying Kiddush loud, you, then the 10th the one who wants to hear it has a problem because you can't, it's not considered hearing nine voices at once. So in that case, only one person should say Kiddush loud and everybody else should either say it afterwards together or just say it in an undertone together with him. Whichever way the women are doing it, whether they're saying it themselves or they're being, or they're being Yitzah from the husband, they don't do the Zah of Yaakon They don't say Shekhi why? Because they already said Shekhi when they lit candles. Right? The, the women, when they light the candles, before the Seder, they say, Lahad and they say, Shechayonu. Of course. Before the Seder. Anytime after 7.53, they have to light candles. And those are the candles. When you say the bracha on the candle, as part of your Havdalah-Kiddush combo, those are lit already, and you're going to look at them. You're not going to look at your nails, but you're going to look at those candles. Other people have another custom, but that's not the Chabad custom. Um, so they already said Shachiyonu, so they don't say it again as part of the Kiddush. However, so this is an interesting thing. Are they allowed? Do they, you know what? You have to have a distant claim for 
Yes, you have to have an exist, existing flame. So it's recommended this, usually you say buy a 24 hour candle. Unless, if you have a gas stove, you could just take from there. You, but uh, if this year, if you want to do the candle thing, which is much easier, you just leave it right by the candles, get a 48 hour candle, because you're going to be lighting it on Friday night and you need it to last till the second night yonder. So get at least a 48 hour candle. Um, and, uh, and then for the second days, you need a 24 hour candle. Um, some have a, some some have a custom to light another candle for Yizka for the last days. Um, so an important thing I want to point out about Shekhyona, which is this is relevant both to the men who are going to say Shekhyona as part of Kiddush and to the women who are going to say Shekhyona as part of the candle lighting. And that is like this. Just to move away from Pesach to explain, to give you a, a parallel, on Sukkot, there's a number of mitzvahs that come together. So it's the Yom Tif, like we always say Shekhyona on the Yom Tif, like Shavuos, we also say Shekhyona, even though there's no specific mitzvah related to Shavuos. And then in sukkah, we also have the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. So why don't we say shechiyonu when you build the sukkah or when you sit in the sukkah for the first time? The answer is that the shechiyonu that you say in the Kiddush, which in most scenarios will also be the first time you're sitting in the sukkah, although there are exceptions, um, that shechiyonu goes on the building of the sukkah as well. Let's not talk about the exceptions. Right, so it says, so, so, so usually any mitzvah that you do once a year, you say Shekhyonah. So there's a mitzvah that we do once a year before Pesach. That's the mitzvah of Bir Chometz. Oh, another very important thing I forgot. Okay, I'll get back to that in a second. So the mitzvah of Bir Chometz. So why don't you say Shekhyonah? When, when you check for Chometz, which is the, that's the beginning of your mitzvah of destroying Chometz, you say, Baruch Hashem, the Kedem, the Elam, Asher, Kedushanah, B'Mitzvah, Tzivana, Bir Chometz. So you should also say Shekhyonah. Why don't you say Shekhyonu? So the answer is because the Shekhyonu that you're going to say in Yom Tif, it's a Shekhyonu that covers all the things to do with the mitzvahs of Yom Tif. And so I heard this for the first time this year from Rabbi Farkash. He said that when you say Shekhyonu on the first night of Pesach, you should have in mind that this Shekhyonu also covers the B'dikas Chametz and the destroying of the Chametz that we did on Friday. A very important thing that I forgot to mention is that usually we say Kol Chamira twice. Kochamira is the nullification of Chametz, which is printed in the Siddur in Aramaic, but it says in Shofan Aruch that it's um, vital that you understand what you're saying, so say it in whatever language you understand. So you say it twice. Once is after B'dikas Chametz, which is you nullify any Chametz that you did not find. And then you say it again on a regular year, you would say it again when you're burning the Chametz to nullify any Chametz that you may have found and then put aside and you forgot about it. That because that the second so that this year the one that you say after checking for comments you say, but the one that you would usually say at the burning of the comments you don't say then because how you can't you can't say that I'm nullifying all comments. What do you mean? You still have your five pita breads that you're leaving for your Shabbos meal. So you say call chamira on Shabbos after you finish flushing everything down the toilet and doing everything you need to do. Then you say the call chamira. Very very important not to forget that. Okay, if there's any questions about this or about cash in your kitchen or anything, I'm happy to try to address them now or later, whatever. Okay, yes. Oh, one second, we have a question in the chat. Why not use Pesach Becher? Why not use Pesach Becher? Because you're going to be having, you're going to be eating pita bread. You don't want to have the Pesach Becher comes, comes in such close context to the, to the Pesach Becher. So you push it aside. You want to have your Pesach Becher on the same table as you have crumbs? Take it off the table. You're not eating, you're not using the Becher at the same time as you're, as you're eating the crumbs. Oh, Connie, she doesn't want to show up in person? <laughs> okay, I hear you. Look, it's, not, it, it, it's, it's, it's best practice. In other words, Connie, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I've probably read about five different Pesach guides over the last week. And that's one thing that they all said the same. Everything else, they had to start picking and choosing who I'm going to go according to. That what they all said, use your Chavitz Becher. That, you're right. The, 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 technically, you could. You could use your Pesach Becher and make sure it doesn't come in hunt. You could do that. But uh, I guess, the, yeah. All right. Another question. What What do we do Shabbos morning for, for Lecha Mishnah? You're saying you're planning to sleep in? No, I'm planning on 
Kiddush at 10 o'clock. That's like in the middle of the night. Right. So, yeah. So, if you're, if you're davening, if you get, if you get, uh, if you get fachapt in your davening and you don't finish davening, then it's too bad. Then you've missed your opportunity to do the Mishnah. I was saying the accepted practices that we daven earlier and do, and yes. do it then. Yeah. yeah. Yes, if you want to, according, according to the diaries over here, in the, the last time in Tafshim Mem Aleph, I think, or Mem Dalad or something, that there was such a clear that ever walked into Shachris at 6.45. All right. That's... Just wow. do it before you go to sleep. <laughs> okay.